This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Lung cancer. It's the leading cancer killer in both men and women in the United States. An estimated 158,000 Americans are expected to die from lung cancer annually, accounting for approximately 27% of all cancer deaths. Here with more on this debilitating disease, its screening, prevention, and treatment is Dr. Jason Wallen. He's assistant professor of surgery specializing in thoracic surgery at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Dr. Wallen. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Linda. So since lung cancer is a silent disease, often until it gets so advanced that it can be fatal, what are some of the current recommendations with regard to screening to prevent this disease? Well, the current recommendations for screening uh, are mostly for high-risk patients, which are patients who have a heavy smoking history and patients who are uh, ranging in ages from their mid-50s until their late 70s, uh, is to receive annual low-dose screening CT scans. And that's uh, a low-radiation dose uh, X-ray that patients can Uh, obtain that will help us find uh, cancers hopefully early and uh, it's been shown that overall when you screen a population that you can reduce reduce the chances of dying from a lung cancer by 20 percent in patients who actually go through the screening program. And that's a pretty new recommendation. I think at one point people would say that lung cancer was such a killer because being silent until it was so advanced there was no way to really combat it. There was no way, and we didn't have a good way to find it early before this. One of the important things when you're looking at screening a population is that you can actually change the mortality across a population rather than on an individual patient basis. And so this is the first time that we've had exciting news like that. There are some challenges to it, though, things like false positives. Talk a little bit about that. What what happens in that case? So that is a, a very challenging uh, part of the screening program. In fact, the vast majority of the abnormal findings on these CT scans never needed to be found at all. Uh, There are many benign nodules uh, and other things that we can find in people's lungs. And unfortunately, this does have a tendency to increase the number of procedures that patients undergo trying to work up and diagnose these uh, other, quote-unquote, incidental findings. And sometimes they can end up with perhaps un- non-positive results afterwards, am I right? We can, and you can, uh, anytime we do procedures, there are potential downsides such as complications. And so it's important to have uh, a group of sophisticated people looking at those CAT scans and determining what really needs further workup, what can be watched, and, and what things might need a biopsy or even an operation to further investigate. So some of, these, some of this rests in the hands of sophisticated radiologists, perhaps, knowing what they're looking at. And that's probably a, a skill set that develops over time since they've just begun to really do this large large scale. There are, and there are uh, scales uh, that radiologists use that have been relatively well established to determine what the risk uh, of a specific lesion is. Some institutions like Upstate have a, a multidisciplinary group that review these studies, and so uh, we tend to get a number of opinions on a given abnormal finding uh, all at one time, and I think that can be very helpful. Yeah, giving you kind of a lot of people's input and hopefully the correct the correct answer. Yep. So what are, just in general, when you would say to people, um, give them advice about prevention for lung cancer, what are, what are the key points to remember? 
It's pretty simple. The most important thing you can do is to stop smoking. Um, and uh, I think the take-home message for stopping smoking is you don't have to do it by yourself. Uh, these days we have a tremendous amount of help available uh, because uh, tobacco and nicotine is the most addictive substance on the planet. It is difficult, and I think that patients should not feel guilty about the fact that they have a hard time uh, doing that. Everybody has a hard time uh, quitting smoking. And so whether you choose to do it alone, you should know that there's help available, and there are a lot of good treatments that are uh, very different than even they were five years ago. So there are good smoking cessation plans, and as you said, patches and all kinds of things that... Gums and lozenges and sprays, um, many different ways that people can uh, effectively quit smoking. So, but when it comes to treatment, whether it's obviously... It's a little different when it's found early versus found late, but let's talk about the different aspects of treatment. What's kind of foremost treatment you as a thoracic surgeon? Is surgery really still the, the kind of first line of defense? Well, as you mentioned, the most important thing to determine if you're talking about treatment is what is the stage of the cancer. And obviously, we want to find these things early, and that's what the screening program really does. It allows us to find these cancers at an earlier stage where we can actually make a difference. When you're talking about early-stage cancers, uh, the gold standard is still surgery. Uh, these days, more and more, we're moving towards minimally invasive operations where we can remove even fairly complicated cancers through very small incisions and get patients out of the hospital very quickly. As uh, many of our listeners will have heard, there are other treatment options that are becoming more and more advanced and more and more effective as time goes on. Things like stereotactic radiosurgery, where we use very focused beams of radiation treatment to treat the cancer while it's still in the patient. Uh, we don't know for sure if it's as good as surgery or not, but it does seem to be very effective, and especially for patients who are potentially uh, too ill to undergo an operation or to consider removing part of their lung, uh, that can be a great option. Uh, we also have treatments available uh, where we can place a needle into the tumor, sometimes even at the time that it's biopsied, and the tumor can be either heated up to what we call a kill temperature or frozen uh, in position. And although that's slightly more invasive than radiation, it can be done in a single treatment. Uh, and those also seem to be very effective. But for now, surgery and actually removing the cancer is the gold standard for early stage treatment. And usually does it still require um, a round of chemotherapy and backup radiation, or is it pretty much on a case-by-case -case basis? It, it, it all comes back to stage. So if there are other things that are involved... Help like, us understand, when you talk stage, just review for us, has to do with how far it's spread, perhaps? Explain that. So most cancers are staged one through four. Stage one cancers are generally ones that are limited just to the area where the cancer began. Stage four cancers are one that is ones that are spread to other parts of the body. And then there are things like stage two and three, which maybe are bigger tumors or tumors that have lymph node involvement. And so as you progress through the stages, especially as cancers start to show evidence that they can spread, you start wanting to add things like chemotherapy uh, and, and as well radiation. So depending on the stage of the tumor, we may add those treatments and in, as you get to more advanced stages surgery becomes less important for example a cancer that is spread to other parts of the body it may not be so helpful to remove the cancer where it started if it's already in other areas you might want a treatment like chemotherapy that can travel through the whole body and treat wherever the cancer may have spread to if you're just joining us you're listening to upstate's health link on air i'm linda cohen along with thoracic surgeon jo dr jason wallen we're talking about lung cancer prevention and treatment so 
There is this new, you know, it's pretty new now, this whole talk of immunotherapy or targeted therapy. What's happening on that front with regard to lung cancer? So there are certain types of cancers, uh, certain types of lung cancers that have uh, features that we can target with specific drugs that modify the immune system's ability to respond to those cancers. It doesn't work on every type of lung cancer, and even the types of lung cancers uh, that are could be susceptible requires special testing to prove that. And we're, these drugs are not given to everybody with lung cancer. These are still limited mostly to patients who would be receiving some type of drug therapy for their cancer anyway. For example, an early stage lung cancer patient who is going to have an operation probably would never get any type of drug therapy because they haven't been shown to be effective and change the outcome. But they're they're still in the process of developing these kinds of targeted therapies. Am I correct? It seems like every day. Every day, new drugs are coming out for wide varieties of cancers, not just lung cancers. So it's a very exciting uh, new field of treatment expansion. Especially because it's getting the one's own immune system to really kind of be revved up to fight the cancer. That's nice. It, it does seem that these drugs uh, are a little bit less toxic than kind of traditional chemotherapy. The other nice feature about them is they're usually available in a pill form, and so they don't require coming into the hospital, having injections or any kind of devices injected into the patient's body. Yeah, that makes a big difference. It sounds like on a lot of different fronts, there's a lot of effort to minimize some of the um, extreme extreme effects or negative consequences of some kind of open radical types of surgeries and everything is is it or or radical kinds of chemotherapy that has more of a shotgun approach where you're killing many many types of cells everything is trying to get more targeted and minimally invasive in general it sounds like we are and I think in the last 10 years uh, we've been more successful uh, in lung cancer care than we have in the in the previous 50 I think it's been a very exciting time in lung cancer treatment and patients who have known other people who've been treated for lung cancer in the past uh, potentially who had bad experiences they shouldn't expect that those experiences would be similar to theirs because much much has changed whether you're talking about surgery chemotherapy or radiation it's not the same as it was 10 years ago it's not the same as it was five years ago That's very heartening. It's a new frontier. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the other types of cancer as a thoracic surgeon that you see and treat? The other most common type of cancer that I treat as a thoracic surgeon is esophageal cancer. There are other cancers that are in the chest as well and are are much, much rarer and unusual. But the two main groups are lung cancer and esophageal cancer. And how common is esophageal cancer? Esophageal cancer is on the rise, um, and there's been a lot more publicity lately, but it's still considered a relatively rare cancer. patients who do have it, it actually becomes very difficult to diagnose it because it's not something physicians are typically thinking about because it's such an unusual tumor. Why does it occur? Do we know what causes it? There are two types of esophageal cancer. Uh, There are patients who have uh, what is now the most common esophageal cancer in the United States, which is adenocarcinoma. And we don't know exactly what causes it, but we know there are two things that do tend to increase patients' risk of that. One is being overweight, and the other one is having a long history of gastroesophageal reflux disease. Obviously, those are very common problems uh, in the United States right now. And so uh, we don't go looking at every patient 
patient who's overweight or who has gastroesophageal reflux disease to see if they have this rare cancer. But it, 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 for now, it's all we know that does predispose patients. Then there's also squamous cell cancers of the esophagus, which tend to be related to alcohol consumption and tobacco abuse. So again, quitting smoking is always a good idea. Sounds like for everything, quitting mm -hmm. smoking is a great idea. So what types of treatment are available then? What do you do for an esophageal cancer? And again, it must depend on the stage. It absolutely does depend on the stage. And unlike lung cancer, we don't have a good way to screen for esophageal cancer. We don't know what are the things to look for that are actually going to help us to find the uh, these tumors. They do require some invasive tests to find them, and so you don't want to be doing it for everybody. So that makes it difficult to find these things at an early stage. So is it the same uh, issue as it is, is with lung cancer that you, it's kind of silent until it's more advanced? That's absolutely right. Esophageal cancers have to be quite large before they start causing problems. Typically, patients present with difficulty swallowing, and usually by the time a tumor is large enough to stop uh, a patient swallowing or make it difficult to swallow, there oftentimes are lymph nodes involved, and there can be evidence the cancer is spread already. The other thing that makes it difficult to treat esophageal cancers is they tend not to respond very well to chemotherapy and radiation. And so when patients present beyond the point where we can remove the tumors, it becomes very difficult to treat them. But so then clearly surgery is the mainstay of treatment. It is the mainstay, um, but almost invariably we have to treat patients with what we call trimodal therapy. It's combina combinations of chemotherapy, radiation, oh. and surgery. And almost invariably patients need to have chemotherapy and radiation before they get an operation, mostly in those patients who are presenting with relatively uh, what we call advanced disease. Occasionally we do find patients with early stage disease. We always find those by accident. And those patients can uh, be treated with surgery alone. What's the prognosis generally if you're diagnosed with esophageal cancer? It depends on stage. Again, early stage patients that are the ones that are found by accident actually do very well. Um, however, when patients present with symptoms, they're usually, like I said, large tumors and have a lymph node or two that are involved. Um, we're not a, Only about 40% of those patients will be curable. As you look into your crystal ball, I, I will say you're new to this community. I want to welcome you to this community. Thank you. Um, what are some of your hopes or plans for the future of cancer care, particularly thoracic care, cancer in this area, and also just in general, what do you see coming down the pike? Well, for me personally, uh, I want to bring more minimally invasive treatment options for patients with both thoracic cancers and benign uh, diseases of the chest. I think that's something that's been lacking here. Uh, for lung cancer, about 90% of our lung cancer operations are now being done through what they call band-aid incisions or a minimally invasive approach. Uh, and we have recently done upstate New York's first uh, totally minimally invasive uh, esophageal cancer operation. Uh -huh. uh, for that particular operation, we used uh, the assistance of the Da Vinci robotic system, uh, which allows us to, again, do the entire operation through band-aid incisions. And uh, patients uh, can leave the hospital in sometimes half the time uh, that they would stay in the hospital with a conventional operation. And without all the potential side effects also or, or difficulties in terms of healing and problems. Still a big operation uh, on the inside, uh, and complication rates are high, but uh, patients do tend to recover faster, and, uh, and, and they do better overall. 
Very exciting. We want to thank you so much. It's very exciting, very heartening news for both lung cancer and esophageal, and welcome to our community. My guest has been uh, Dr. Jason Wallen. He's assistant professor of surgery speci specializing in thoracic surgery at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. <laughs>